You're listening to an artist interview from Chirp Radio. You can find more interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts. You're listening to an artist interview on Chirp Radio. This is Daniel, and I'm here with Mick O'Donnell from Motel Breakfast. Hey there. How are you, Daniel? I'm doing well, Mick. Thanks for joining us. So this is an exciting time for the band. You're celebrating five years. You've got a run of shows coming up this weekend, and you've got a new song out. How's it going? Everything's going really well. I saw that tweet that we uh, are celebrating five years of the band. It kind of blew me away. It feels a little too long and a little too short. Can you tell me a little bit about how the band got together? Yeah, so it actually goes back 10 years even. Jimmy, the the lead singer, and I started playing together in high school, just kind of writing songs that would eventually become our first EP. And then afterwards, we just started adding members, starting with Jesse, our drummer, followed by Connor, our keyboard player, and lastly, uh, Drew, our bassist. And once we added him, we sort of officially became Motel Breakfast. It's a great name. How did you guys come up with it? So I wish there was some, you know, funny story or tidbit about how it came to be. But honestly, we sat in a circle and threw out adjectives and nouns until two stuck together. That's great. Just sort of the random ether of conversation. That's that's fun. Right. Yeah, it, it took some time, but it was based on nothing. How did you get into music? So I'm lucky enough that my dad um, has been playing in a band for most of my life, um, and he actually taught me guitar. And because of that, I was lucky enough to have access to a guitars in my life, and he would teach me. I also have just two parents who are very into music, so I've always kind of been surrounded. I've been in bars watching my dad play the blues since I was about 10. So you kind of grew up with music all around you? Yes, i very lucky. What kind of music would your parents have on at home? Ooh, definitely Bruce Springsteen was a big one. Van Morrison's, the Marvin Gaye's, just those classic feel-good tunes were always kind of playing in the background. Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, can't forget about them. But always, always music playing. I was lucky enough, too, to have three older sisters who all had their own taste in music. So on top of, you know, the Springsteens, I also had the Green Days and the My Chemical Romances and so on and so forth. So I was surrounded by a whole slew of, of different genres. I heard you've been doing fine I heard you're wearing a little more black You bought a pair of combat boots And finally got that cat Maybe in these next few months I'll figure out how to get out of my head I'll be better cause I knew you And you'll be better without me so a couple of shows you have coming up this weekend are benefiting the Howard Washington Cultural Center. Can you talk a little bit about what the center does? We actually got connected to them through Civil, the Chicago Independent Venue League. We had reached out to them, seeing if they wanted to take part in the shows we would be doing, and they suggested that we partner up and, you know, collect for a good cause. So they requested that we put aside a dollar per ticket, you know, on top of putting a percentage of the merch towards benefiting them. And they are just a great cause out there, keeping the arts alive in Chicago. So we wanted to do whatever we could to uh, support them. The band has had other experience raising money for really good causes. I saw that you raised $5,000 for a branch of Feeding America a little while ago. Can you talk a little bit about the band's support for these kinds of causes and why it's important to you? 
Yeah, it's always been important. And it's kind of always been in our ethos. We want to make sure to, to give back. We're so very lucky to be able to play music and follow our dreams in this way. We wanted to make sure we were giving back as much as we could. That particular one you, you mentioned, the $5,000 for Feed in America, Eastern Wisconsin, was actually because it was the midst of quarantine. And truth be told, I was bored. And I actually worked for Feed in America at the time. I knew that there are folks in Wisconsin who were... You know, in need of financial aid. So we, you know, took the time, put it together. And I don't know if you know this, but $5,000 was a stretch goal. I said that goal as a joke. And I said that if we reached it, I would cut my then very, very long hair. <laughs> I, I had hair probably, you know, past my shoulders. And I said, if we reach five grand, I would cut it all off. It was a tough one, but, you know, I'm happy to do it for the cause. Personal sacrifice is always important. Yeah, and, and that I don't want to take all the credit. Our drummer, Jesse, dyed his hair. He bleached his hair, and I think two grand. Drew cut his hair off as well. I think Jimmy shaved his beard. There, There's a number of barber shop style things we, we went through to, to raise that money. So you're all from the Midwest, from Chicago and other places around the region. How does sort of a sense of place fit into your music? Ooh, very good question. Just speaking personally, most of us grew up in Chicago, all of us on the south side of Chicago, where we all, most of us had initially met. Drew, our bassist, is from Ohio, but I met him at Wisconsin. So we were always kind of separated. And, and one thing we had to get used to was writing songs while not in the same room. So most, if not all of the songs that we've written as a band have, you know, been via, you know, voice messages on your iPhone. You come up with a little thing, you send it to Drew, who's in Milwaukee, who sends it to me, who's in Madison, who sends it to Jesse, who's in Chicago. So we've always kind of been playing like that, building out songs as we go. And then when we, you know, eventually meet in the studio with all the plans and ideas we had for that song, we were able to bring them together. So not so much a sense of place, but a sense of distance, I guess, really contributed to the way that we write. What's it like recording music like that? Is it challenging? So that, that's how we wrote the music. But all of our recording has been, we've made the effort to always be in the same space for it. And even sometimes, you know, recording songs all in the same room at the same time. It's something that we feel good about just being able to play live as a band. We've kind of branched out more and are recording more in the traditional style, you know, one at a time. But certainly we've, we've had a little bit of a, uh, a learning curve when it comes to, to recording together. Has recording as a live band helped you all to play better when you do shows? I would actually say it's the inverse. We, you know, have been playing just bars and basements forever. And, you know, it, it took a long time from us to go as a, you know, covers band. We were doing Springsteen covers at the bar down the street from me on the south side of Chicago. Um, and we would play and then we'd start playing songs live that we wrote. We wouldn't even consider recording them. And then one day we were like, hey, we should record these. So we had already been playing a lot of the songs live for a long time before we ever got in the studio. So it kind of added to our comfortability playing together. And we thought, why not try and capture that live energy and record, you know, live? And that's actually our EP that came out in uh, late 2020 was all recorded live. Speaking of production, you've been working recently with our Andrew Humphrey on a couple of songs and releases, and he's actually playing uh, one of your shows this week. He's you know known for working with bands like Twin Peaks. What's it been like working with someone like Humphrey? 
Andrew Humphrey is a mad scientist. It's awesome working with him. He is off the wall smart and just creative and interesting. On top of being our engineer is our informal producer. He kind of adds his own thing, is his own sound to our recordings. We'll be done with a song. We'll all turn to each other and say, oh, sounds good, sounds good. I think we can put a rap on that. And he'll turn around in his chair and he goes, oh, no. You guys aren't done yet. I got stuff to add. He'll add these little bits of sound that we, you know, as a group couldn't even fathom creating. It's been honestly a dream working with him. recently released the song So Long, and you described it as a new type of tune for the band. Can you talk a little bit about how it's new and uh, departure from the work you've done before? Yeah. So the first lot of songs we record, the first, you know, 10 or 12 or whatnot, we recorded at Treehouse Studios in Chicago, which is all analog, all straight to tape. And it's a, it's a very different style of recording. What you record is what you get. It's all on a magnetic tape, and that is final. Whereas now working with Andrew at Palisade Studios, it's all digital. So we, we have more room for expression. We have, you know, we, we don't need to worry too much about the minutia, how something sounds. We can go back and, you know, change the way a guitar tone sounds and post. We can add a synth line. We can cut it up. It's interesting to see both sides. It's interesting to have recorded both ways. It gives you much more room for creativity. So that's why on our song So Long, you hear more synth. You hear Drew, our bassist, singing, you know, in four separate recordings. And then two, you know, we spliced in trumpet in a way that we wouldn't be able to recording analog. So it might not be so much sonically different, but certainly the way we recorded it felt different to me. You know, I hear a lot of strong emotions and difficult emotions coming through in your music and talked about in the lyrics, breakups, anxiety, angst, grief. Can you talk a little bit about how those emotions and experiences go into the songwriting process? So the one that comes to mind first and because it's one of the only songs I have written, our song Yelling at the Moon is about a breakup. Something that Jimmy or someone brought up in the studio, wouldn't it be interesting to add a female voice to it? So the entire time it's two voices singing the same exact thing. And it kind of gives that feel of two sides of the breakup, you know, two sides of a disagreement. Dead oak trees and taco trucks. I didn't plan on falling in love. I just wanted to be good to you. So give me back my yesterday before you took my heart away. Where can listeners find you in the band? They can find us on Instagram, Facebook, MySpace, TikTok, you know, the Napsters. You know, you name a streaming service, we're on it. You name a social media, we made an account as a bit. Follow us. Well, it's been really great to talk to you, Mick. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. This has been an artist interview from Trip Radio. You can find more interviews at tripradio.org slash podcasts.